Thanks so much, Tom and the band. Good morning, everybody. Great to have you here. Let me add my welcome. Andy's mentioned my name's Ellen. I am a minister here at CBC. If you haven't met me before, really good to have you with us. Every week we have new faces. And if you are new today, you're so welcome. Really hope and pray you feel relaxed and at home among the family here. And good to have you joining with us online as well. If you're watching, tuning in, singing, listening, praying with us from your sofas, really good to share in this service with you as well. Andy's mentioned that we're looking today at... uh, a new series at the, looking at the most famous verse in our Bibles, John 3.16. We have got four weeks in one verse. And the series is called So Loved. And this is going to take us up to Easter. We're thinking about the most famous verse in our Bibles, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the idea is that over four Sundays, we take that verse phrase by phrase and unpack it together in some detail. Our plan is to look at this for two weeks, and then we're going to pause for a Sunday and then pick it up again, taking us to Easter. And the reason for the pause is because we want also to interject a special service two weeks today on March the 20th. On the third Sunday in March 2020, two years ago, it was the last Sunday that we were here together in this way. When I stood and spoke on that Sunday, I did not realise at that point that we would not then meet again in any way that looked like normal for two years. And so what we want to do on the third Sunday in March 2022 is to pause and recognise that two-year anniversary. And... I guess what we want to do is kind of lay down a a metaphorical marker, lay lay down a stone to say God has been faithful to us. It has been hard. There have been challenges and restrictions and difficulties and pain. But God, you have been good and faithful to us. So in two weeks' time, just to let you know, there is this special service thanking God for his faithfulness together. There'll be celebration worship. We'll have a whole bunch of testimonies. We shall have donuts. There'll be a chance to look back with thanks. Are you more happy about the donuts than the testimonies? I'm just asking. That's okay. And, uh, and the service will be the same morning and evening. If you are normally one or the other, we'll repeat the service morning and evening as we do. And it'll be a day really just to thank God for his faithfulness and to look back over quite an extraordinary two years. So put the date in your diary. If you know any CBC people, perhaps people who have been a bit more intermittent about coming back, maybe some people who haven't come back yet, this would actually be a really good occasion to say, do you know what, if you haven't been yet, come back as we look back on these two years and also as we commit ourselves to moving forward together. So I'm really looking forward to this new series, and I'm also looking forward to that special service in two weeks' time as well. So here we are in this So Loved series for four weeks together, thinking about this verse that is so central to our faith. Now, the series title for this and images and some of the contents that we are using are borrowed from this little book of the same name. It's called So Loved by Martin Salter. And actually, as we've read it, we've realised what a great little book it is. It's really engaging, it's really accessible, and it's especially written for people who are 
unsure about the Christian faith, who might be exploring the Christian faith. It's very easy to read and very contemporary. So what we decided to do was buy a whole bunch of copies. There's a lot of copies on our welcome desk. And it might be that you'd like to buy this book. You might want to read it for yourself. But really, you might like to buy it and give it to a family member or to a friend. You might have somebody that you know who is exploring the Christian faith, who's interested in your faith, that you know you'd like to give it to. It might be that you'd like to buy one and pray about who to give it to this Easter time. They cost a fiver. There's um, our offering box on the desk if you wanted to put cash in. We've also got our contactless payment reader. So if you wanted to pay with a contactless card, you could do that. If money is tight for you, just take one. Absolutely no problem at all. That's that book and the basis of our series. So we're walking through John 16 together. It's the most famous verse in our Bibles. It can be found on car stickers, fridge magnets, calendars, on clothing, And it pops up sometimes even at large-scale sporting events. It was the first verse that I ever knew by heart. And I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. But why is it so important? Why is it so cherished? What is it about these 26 words in one sentence that have crossed continents and centuries and changed millions of lives? John 3.16 contains truth that centres everything else in our lives. It speaks into our desire for meaning, relationship and purpose. And it also speaks against so much of the hate and despair that we see in our world. And our section for today is the first phrase, For God so loved the world. And actually those first two words themselves are so crucial. For God. We read John 3.16 and we jump to not perishing and having eternal life and believing in him and so on. But actually those opening two words are so crucial. They begin with a most important claim for any person to consider that there is a God. John makes an assumption here in the existence of God. For God, assuming there's a God, this is the kind of God. The whole verse rests on the existence of God. So before we look at the content and before we think about what kind of God this is, we need to just pause and remind ourselves, friends, there is a God. There is a God, despite what we see around us sometimes. There is a God for God, that he is alive and he is at work and he wants to be known. Apologists would say that there are two main arguments for the existence of God. One is external and one is internal. And whether you're someone who doesn't need any persuading about the existence of God, or you're somebody here who isn't sure, it's good to remind ourselves of the big picture that our faith is framed by. And those two arguments are these. Look around you and look inside you. Look around you and look inside yourself. Did you know, fun facts, did you know a woodpecker can wrap its tongue around its brain to prevent it from becoming concussed with the speed of its pecking. Did you know... I'm just letting that sink in a little bit. (laughs) Did you know a camel can drink up to a 1,000 pints of water in one go? Did you know that your DNA... The building blocks of human life, if stretched out, could reach to the sun and back 600 times. 
We live in a world that is complex and astounding. And looking around us points to a creator. The scientist, Professor Brian Cox, was asked in an interview if he was an atheist. Brian Cox is, um, is hugely popular. In fact, he's very popular in our household. Our children love his programmes about space in particular. Um, and Brian Cox replied saying that he didn't follow a particular religion, but that he couldn't call himself an atheist. And he said this, science does not rule out the existence of a creator. We don't know how the universe began, full stop. That's it, we don't know. We have a theory of what might have happened before the Big Bang, but we're still left with a question, how did that start? From the scientific perspective, it's wrong to say that science has anything to say at all about the nature of a creator, because we just don't know. Brian Cox is not a person of faith, but he can't call himself an atheist. He acknowledges that scientists cannot tell you the details of where the universe came from or the all-important question about why it exists. We look around ourselves, but also we look inside ourselves to point to a God too. We have a moral compass as humans. When we look at the horrendous events unfolding in the Ukraine, we have an innate sense about the preciousness of life. We have a moral compass about evil and wrong. Thank you for joining us in prayer and in giving about this crisis. It is an unspeakably awful unfolding tragedy. There's something in our moral compass inside ourselves, along with our conscience, as well as a sense of wonder about the world that points to the possibility for God for God, the existence of a creator God. And John 3.16 starts with that bold claim about the existence of God. And Christians would suggest that the evidence is both in us and around us for that to be true. So we believe there's a God, but then what kind of God is he? What kind of God? If there is a God, if that is true, if you are asking that question today, is there a God? And if there is, what kind of God is he? What is he like? And the second part of our phrase today tells us, for God so loved the world. Let's just dig into where this is placed in our Bibles. This first John 3.16 comes from an encounter that Jesus has with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was a respected and senior teacher. And he comes to Jesus at night with a question. This is a big deal for Nicodemus. And he is wrangling with questions about who is this person? Who is this man? And we read in John chapter 3, the first three verses, it's on page 1065 if you wanted to look at this section. John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And there begins and follows a discussion with Jesus about new birth, about being born of the Spirit. And Jesus explains to Nicodemus about sin and about faith. And Nicodemus wrestles with what Jesus is saying. What does this mean? And the conversation culminates in John 3.16. Jesus explaining to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world, and so on. 
I want to show you a clip of this encounter with Jesus and Nicodemus from the film series The Chosen. Uh, We've got a dramatised Bible reading for today. The Chosen, you may have seen it, is a series about the life of Jesus and his disciples, particularly through multiple episodes. The creators are trying to portray Jesus through the eyes of the the Chosen, the people who met Jesus and were with him. It's uh, it's really good stuff. And the scene from John chapter 3 and Nicodemus is especially poignant. It's a little bit dark on our screens, uh, but hopefully you can get a flavour and a sense of Jesus' encounter with this man, and it helped to place for you where John 3.16 fits. Let's look at this. I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. Eastern slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm-hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe. You are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? (sighs) I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That part of you, that is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things, huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know, I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. 
the spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the spirit, you can recognize his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? It's a, a great series. It's actually free on YouTube, series uh, one and two, if you wanted to watch it. Uh, it'd be a great thing to do leading up to Easter to watch The Chosen. And that clip really, for me, gave a real sense of this man who had seen Jesus do amazing things, grappling with who is this man? And if he is who he says he is, what does that mean for me? What kind of God? What kind of God? It's the kind who loves, for God so loved the world. What Jesus says to Nicodemus, who loves the world so much that he gave his son. The Bible is full of references to the love of God. It is a central theme. Just a small sample for you. 1 John 4, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Romans 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts. Romans 8, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 15, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Ephesians 2, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ for God so loved the world, not a human love with its faults and its conditions and depends, but on the true, pure, 100% commitment love of God. You might have played the word association game sometimes where someone says a word and you have to say the word that's associated with it. You know, someone might say fish and you might say chips or someone says beach and someone else says sand and someone else says sea and so on. If someone said the word God to you, I wonder what your word association would be. John would say love, for God so loved the world. This is the love of God as the Bible describes it. More than we can conceive, a love that is eternal, a love that never changes, a love that seeks us out, and a love that is for all the world. The love of God is not just for certain individuals. It's not just for well-behaved people. It's not just for the ones who know their Bibles or for certain people groups. It is for the world. 
In the face of suffering, it can be actually a real struggle to trust and believe that God's primary characteristic is love, can't it? We've prayed already and talked about the, the unfolding tragedy in Ukraine. Does God love, really? Does he? Does he love and care when people are being killed and losing their homes? It's hard, isn't it? I, f- I feel it too. It's hard. Suffering is a, a hard one. We'd need another whole message to unpack it. But the reason that we pray for Ukraine and indeed any other situation is because God so loves the world. And his heart must be breaking at what he is seeing unfolding. He must grieve over the choices that humans, in their freedom, are making at the moment. His love is for all people, from leaders to refugees in all the nations. And we've called on him today and we'll go on praying because we believe that God so loved the world, his world. And we go on praying for his love to intervene and to de-escalate this war and save lives and bring peace. There is a lot that we don't know. But as we worship together and sing the truths about God, the foundations of our faith rest on this verse. For God so loved the world. And we anchor ourselves in that promise today. I just want to share three brief applications from this for us today. It's really broad, this verse. We could have a whole message about just the very existence of God, for example. But as I've prayed, I've just sensed that three angles of response that might resonate with us. It might be that you resonate with one of these today. And the first of those is for those of us exploring. For anybody here today who might say that you aren't a Christian, you're not sure whether you believe. In any church our size, there will always be people with us who uh, wouldn't identify themselves as Christian. And we love that. We love that. Uh, One of the primary purposes of us being here as a church is to create a space for people who aren't sure about faith to explore that faith. If that's you, we're really glad you're here today. And I would encourage you to keep exploring and asking the questions. You might want to grab one of those little books at the back. Feel free to go on asking questions. Bug your Christian friends and family. Come and speak to me or one of the leaders or someone that you know. If this verse is true, it's foundational. It's the biggest claim ever to be made that Jesus is the Son of God sent to this world because of love. And it's really important to decide whether you believe that or not. It feels so crucial. The love of God has changed my life and many other lives here. And it was important to decide if you would believe this. You can grapple like Nicodemus did. Is this true? And if it, if it is true, what does it mean for me? There's a thought here for those of us who are exploring. There's also an application here for those of us doubting. I am having more conversations than I've had in 20 years of church leadership at the moment with people who would say that their faith is struggling or even unravelling, who've got doubts about what they believe, who feel that somehow the framework of their faith is unravelling in some way. I am convinced that that's partly an effect of COVID. Our lives have been completely upended by COVID and a combination of the difficulty that it's been over the last two years, uh, feeling disconnected, less hooked in to a faith environment for so many of us, lots of questions. It's not surprising in many ways that this season has shaken our worldview. 
And if that is you today, I'd want to say to you, welcome to what other people are experiencing. You are not alone in that. You are absolutely not alone in that. And the best thing to do with our doubts is to talk about them and own them and be real with them. I've got huge respect for people saying, do you know what, I'm just not sure anymore. The Christian faith makes plenty of room for doubts and there is space for that here. And I'd say to you, don't leave it. There's no neutral, that's the thing with our faith. There isn't a kind of staying the same. A faith that's unravelling, if left, will just unravel even more. And it needs gentle rebuilding and putting back together again. I'd encourage you to um, find a companion to journey with and help you. Stay connected. Keep hooked into an environment of faith where the, the coals are hot and you can stay warm. We lend each other our faith when we're struggling. John 3.16 is really simple, but it's really profound. For God. We believe there is a God. He is for you. He is alive. He knows you and he loves you. And he wants us all to make sense of the world around us and find him in it in spite of our doubts and questions, which he is more than able to shoulder. The message is for those of us exploring, for those of us who are doubting. And there's also something here for those of us recommitting to this truth. This simple but profound verse, it gives us an opportunity to say, I do believe this. And if I believe it, there's a claim it makes on my life because I can't believe it and do nothing with it. That if it is real, it is to be shared and to be lived. If God really did love the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If that is true, if I believe it, it is for me to live and to share It is a staggering claim, John 3.16. A staggering claim about God, about us, about eternity, about transformation. And for some of us today, our response is to hear the reminder of it, this simple truth, and to commit again to believing it and living it and sharing it. I wonder if you are exploring or doubting or recommitting. Welcome, if you are, and we can respond to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray together. Invite the band to come back. Let's pray. Let's give you a moment. Maybe you just want to settle. Are you you exploring? Are you doubting? Are you recommitting? What's your response today to this claim that for God so loved the world. Lord Jesus, as we respond in worship to you, help us come honestly and openly to you today, Lord Jesus. Would we know your love in our lives And for this world again today we pray. Amen.